Dear families, we hope that you enjoy the Bible race as much as we do. If you are willing to volunteer to translate the original Chinese teaching into English or assist with video editing, please email service at 360sunrise.com. Thank you. Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Race to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. Book of Numbers, chapter number 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time, according to its statutes and all its rules you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover, and they kept the Passover in the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So the people of Israel did. And there were certain men in who were unclean, through touching a dead body, so they could not keep the Passover on that day, and they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, We are unclean through the touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body, or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month on the fourteenth days at twilight, they shall keep it, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break of any bones according to all the statutes for the Passover. They shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people, because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and will keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rules, so shall he do. You shall have one statute, both for the sojourner and for the native. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle in the tent of the testimony, and that at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day in the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, and after that people of Israel set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord and the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. Sometimes the cloud remained from the evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or, or if it continued for a day in the night, and when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days, or months, 
or longer, that the cloud continue over the tabernacle abiding there. The people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out, but when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Chapter 10 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets of hammered work that you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregations in for breaking camp. And when both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. But if they blow only one, then the chiefs and the heads of the tribes of Israel shall gather themselves to you. When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east sides shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camp that are on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown whenever they are to set out. But when the assemblies is to be gathered together, you shall blow a long blast. But you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, and shall blow the trumpets. The trumpets shall be to you for a perpetual statue throughout your generations. And when you go to the war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, that you may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feast, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before God, I am Lord your God. In the second year, in the second month, on the twelfth days of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages and from the wilderness of Sinai, and the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. The standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies, and over their company was Nashant, the son of Amenadab. And over the companies of the tribes of the people, the Eshachar was Nevenel, the sign of Suhar. And over the companies of the tribes of the people of Zubalan was Eliab, and the son of Helam. And when the tabernacles were taken down, the sons of Gershon and the sons of Mary, who carried the tabernacle, set out. And the standard of the camp of the Reuben set out by their companies, and over the companies of Zalesart and the sons of Shadur. And over the companies of the tribes of people of Simeon was Salumelt and the sons of Zuret Shaddai. And over the companies of the tribes of people of Gad was Lisashev and the sign of Duel. And when the Kephatites set out, carrying the holy things, and the tabernacle was set out before their arrival, and the standard of the camp of the people of Ephron set out by their companies, and over their company was Elishamot, the signs of Amelimah. And over the companies of the tribe of the peoples of Manasseh was, uh, was Gemmanial in the signs of Zopatosor, and over the companies of the tribe of the people of Benjamin was Abedin in the signs of Gedimnan. Then the standard of the camp of the people of Dent, acting as the rear guard of the camp, set off by their companies, and over their companies was Wahayasar in the sons of Amenashadai. And over the companies of the tribes of the people of Asher was Pajol in the sons of Otran. And over the companies of the tribes of the people of Nefertali, was Ahirat and the sons of Inan. 
And this was the order of marshal the people of Israel by their companies when they set out. And Moses says to Hobab, the sons of Aroel, and the Midianites, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will do good to you. And for the Lord has promised good to Israel. But he said to him, I will not go. I will be part to my own land and to my kindred. And he said, Please do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you do go with us, whatever good the Lord will do us, the same will we do to you. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of Lord went before in them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the, the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, it said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. The following is the English translation of Pastor Momen Wu's teaching on the book of Numbers, chapter 9 to 10, translated by Lin. Read the Bible every day so you will be full of faith. The significance of observing the appointed feasts is emphasized by God. These people, unable to partake in the Passover, desire to commemorate God's salvation and redemption from Egypt. They questioned, are we not qualified? Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time? Do we not have another chance to observe the feast? As mentioned in chapter 7, when he set out, you must be cleansed. It emphasizes consecration. In chapter 8, we learned about the role of the Levites in presenting offerings to God. The meticulous details of the Levites' service reveal God's concern for these matters. In chapter 9, God emphasizes the observance of the appointed feast as an integral part of the entire Exodus process. In verses 1 to 5, it is stated, In the second year, in the first month, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. This instruction echoes the earlier command to observe the Passover in chapters 1 to 6. The people followed this command, but in verse 6, certain individuals were unable to participate due to being ceremonially unclean from handling a dead body. They approached Moses and Aaron, expressing their desire to observe the Passover despite of their impurity. This prayerful seeking of a solution is crucial. In our understanding of Leviticus, we discover that touching a dead body required a seven-day period of purification. Even a Nazarite, under certain circumstances, had more stringent requirements, requiring an eight-day period of cleansing and a renewed sacrifice. Touching death, as emphasized in chapter 7, warrant expulsion. The group in question wondered if touching death meant they had no chance to observe the Passover. Moses, not daring to make a decision, sought God. It is noteworthy to observe what Moses sought from God. God's immediate response, as seen in verses 9 to 14, addresses not just these specific individuals, but the entire future generation. This passage teaches us that when the people have a heart inclined towards God, seeking to worship Him despite legal restrictions, there is room for God's response. 
Dear brother and sisters, all laws lead us to Jesus Christ. The laws are not meant to restrict or hinder us, but to guide and help us. The need of this group, Moses' intercession, and God's immediate response highlight that laws and regulations in the church are there to help us long for God, love Him more, and earnestly seek Him. According to the regulations, these people were disqualified from observing the Passover, but they asked, "Do we not have a chance?" Moses interceded in such situations, and you can see how God responded. In verse ten, God instructs the people: "If any one of you or your descendants is unclean, he shall not be allowed to observe the Passover." Additionally, if someone is on a journey. And unable to return in time to observe the Passover, this desire to participate in the Passover, to enjoy God, fear Him, and remember His love, is what we call a Passover makeup, a demonstration of God's grace, providing a second chance. On the fourteenth day of the first month, the Passover is observed. While on the fourteenth day of the second month, there is an opportunity for those who were unable to participate in the Passover due to uncleanliness caused by touching dead bodies. This uncleanness prevented them from revering God, as they couldn't worship Him or partake in the Passover, whether due to being on a distant journey or facing work obligations. Some Christians may find it challenging. To attend Sunday gatherings regularly, beloved, in such situations where circumstances hinder our ability to gather for worship, there is still hope. God, in His grace, provides a second chance. It's essential to note that this second chance is not a result of neglect or, or lack of appreciation in the past. God grants this opportunity when we earnestly seek Him, love Him, and passionately desire His presence. As Christians, we may encounter difficulties such as being occupied with work, serving in professions with irregular schedules, or facing unexpected challenges on Sundays. Dear brother and sisters, if your heart cries out to the Lord, expressing a genuine desire to love and worship Him. God promises additional grace. Sometimes we might face circumstances that make attending Sunday gatherings inconvenient, or we might opt for online services due to its convenience. However, this group of people, touched by the revelation of God's standards, sought Him despite their challenges. They said, "We want to worship despite our impurity or being on a journey." In response, God graciously offered them another chance. Believers, do not take God's grace for granted. Cherish it and seek it earnestly. When you wholeheartedly pursue God, expressing your love and desire to worship Him, God will extend His grace to you. The passage underscores the importance of seizing the second chance God graciously provides. Remember, God's grace. Is not to be wasted or treated casual. It is a precious gift, even when faced with circumstances beyond our control. If our hearts are devoted to seeking God, He will abundantly bless us with His grace. In verse thirteen, we learn that 
one who is ceremonially clean but willingly neglects the Passover will be cut off from the community and bear the consequences of their sin. This emphasizes the seriousness of disregarding God's appointed times and festivals. Therefore, for those facing genuine challenges in attending Sunday gatherings, who earnestly desire God's presence, seize the second chance. God's grace is available when your heart sincerely longs for Him. Today, let us pray, asking God for His grace in our unique circumstances. If you hear this message, say to God, Lord, grant me grace in my work, in my life, in my finances, so that I can join my brothers and sisters in the church. I earnestly desire to worship you, praise you, and cherish every opportunity to come into your presence, to attend gatherings, to hear your word. God will surely show favor, and he will make a way for you. Here, God reminds us that if you make choices without moving forward, you must bear the responsibility for every decision related to your flesh. So, if a foreigner dwells among you, they are also included. Even outsiders have the chance to enter into this salvation. From verses 15 to 23, the message is clear. It's time to move forward and see the leading of the cloud. Notice in verse 18, the Israelites moved and camped as God commanded. In verse 20, they stayed and moved according to God's instructions. And again in verse 23, they camped and moved as God directed. Beloved, we need to learn to see with our eyes and take action. How do we see the guidance in the cloud? Sometimes we may struggle to believe in the guidance of the cloud. We might question decisions that lead us to high mountains one day and flat plains the next. However, the Israelites understood the speed of God's movement. The cloud would wait for them to break camp and gather their belongings. The tabernacle required time to be disassembled, and God waited for them. Yet, the forward journey was at a pace suitable for everyone, including the elderly, children, and women. God's guidance is always manageable for us to follow. But if we don't follow the guidance of the cloud, if we don't understand God's guidance in our lives today, we may face a rocky and challenging path. The Israelites could read the cloud, knowing God's speed. The cloud would rise when it was time to move, and God would wait for them to break camp. However, understanding God's guidance is crucial. If we make decisions independently, choosing jobs, marriages, and churches without relying on the cloud, we essentially become the cloud ourselves. People often struggle to believe in the guidance of the cloud. If you don't understand what it means to camp and move according to God's command, your life's journey will be difficult. The Israelites faced challenges when they doubted the cloud, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We, too, need to trust God's guidance in our lives. We live in a world filled with trials, temptations, and moral decline. To navigate the challenges of raising children, managing marriage, and handling work, we need the guidance of the cloud. Reading God's Word daily, spending time in prayer, and growing through service in church. 
Seek maturity in your spiritual life, and you will better understand the clouds' guidance in the church. And if you don't comprehend it, trust spiritual leaders who do. Trust their guidance, and if God has a different plan for you, they'll bless you on your new journey. Don't be your own cloud, making decisions independently. After 2024, there's a significant shift in the generations, and the Lord is coming soon. Those not following the timetable of the cloud are facing numerous attacks from the evil one, more dangerous than touching dead bodies, impurity, leprosy, or other physical ailments. Trust in the guidance of the cloud, for it leads to the safety and blessings God has in store for you. Therefore, let's seek the God's blessing. In chapter ten, the teaching begins, emphasizing not only observing the cloud. But also discerning the sound of the trumpet, seeing is an external action, while listening is an awakening within our spiritual being. The trumpet is blown. What does it signify? Authority. What does the trumpet represent? The call of salvation. What does the trumpet symbolize? God's action. We need to understand these clouds, both the external circumstances and the guidance of God's word. The blowing of the trumpet signifies the Holy Spirit's guidance and illumination within us, step by step. In verse three to seven, there are various situations regarding the blowing of the trumpet. It could be a single blow, as mentioned in verse five, where a loud blast signals the camp on the east to set out, or two loud blasts and the camp on the south to set out. The instructions for the movements are communicated through these trumpet blasts. How can we discern between soft and loud sounds? How do we distinguish between one or two blasts? Beloved family, this is not a small group. It's not gathering of five or six hundred people. Not even one or two thousand. There are sixty thousand men alone, and when you add children and women, this is a group of at least two million people. And if you're not attentive, you might not hear these trumpet sounds. You may think, "Why not make more trumpets? Aren't two enough? Shouldn't we make twenty, forty, or two hundred? Will that be sufficient?" No. God says to make two trumpets, to sharpen your discernment inside, to hear God's voice. When you read the Bible today, listen to sermons, practice waiting on God. In every environment, you must allow your spirit to become attentive and awake. Us walking on God's path on the journey of the Christian life, aiming for the promised land of Canaan, truly receiving the grace of Christ. How can our spirit be asleep? You spend so much time on the internet, watching news, on social media, and personal entertainment. In the complexity of internet interpersonal relationships. With those around you, after work, you invest time in interaction with others. Many invest in a considerable amount of time in self-improvement, attending classes, working overtime, and striving. Yes, this era demands our utmost, intend intending to lure our spirits to sleep while keeping our souls busy. But today, understanding the trumpets is to awaken your spirit. What does a single blast mean? What about two blasts? What does it mean to blow loudly? What about not blowing too loudly? All these require 
require discernment cultivated over the years in our spirits. You must comprehend God's way of speaking. Not that God doesn't speak, but sometimes we fail to understand. His sheep must recognize His voice, and God's sheep must understand the voice of their shepherd. So, if you genuinely pray today, Lord, open my ears. What does it mean to blow one trumpet? What about not blowing too loudly? What about blowing loudly? What about blowing two trumpets? The camp on the east is to set out. What about the camp on the west? The camp on the south? When this camp sets out, it involves tens and thousands of people, leaders. If you can't understand, how do these tens and thousands of people follow you? As a leader, you must frequently pray, Lord. Let me understand your voice. At the sound of the trumpet, I will immediately act. Lord, when your cloud ascends, I will promptly set out. If the cloud doesn't move for a year or even five years, I will endure patiently. So today, in many churches, sometimes we set annual plans, which are our expectation for the church's growth. Is that the voice of God? Does it mean if God is silent this year, we do nothing? Does it mean that even if God speaks this year, but the economy is uncertain, should we still follow? We have too many considerations. Do we follow the cloud? Hmm. Let me think. Do we listen to the trumpet? Let me think. If our church is like this, how can we keep up with God's action? This is a message to the churches in this era, dear family, dear brothers and sister. May God truly open our eyes in this end time generation. You must always be able to discern God's cloud. His word must guide you. The peace of Christ must guide you inside. As we approach the end times, our ears must have discernment. Satan, the evil one, through deception of false prophets and false teachers, will try to mislead us. We cannot rely on what we see. We must rely on the understanding of the voice of the shepherd and know how to walk. When to gather, when to engage in spiritual warfare, and when to rejoice. So, in verse eight, the priests and the leaders are instructed to blow the trumpets, signifying authority. Therefore, leaders, you must understand the voice of God. In verse nine, it tells us about warfare. Blow the trumpets loudly, and you'll be saved from your enemies. If the trumpets are not blown correctly, how can we win in spiritual warfare? If our ears cannot hear clearly, how can we be victorious in spiritual battles? If we do not understand the signals, if the camp on the east does not respond or the camp on the west does not respond, how can they win in spiritual warfare? How can the church be victorious? We are just a flock of sheep waiting to be devoured by wolves. If leaders don't understand the signals for spiritual warfare, if they don't understand how to sound the alarm, if they don't know how to awaken the people to be alert for spiritual battles, we will be consumed. In verse ten, joyful days are also marked by trumpet blasts, feasts, new moons, burnt offerings, and peace offerings, all to be celebrated with the sound of trumpets. You will realize that this joy is about worshiping before God. This joy is not about personal banquets; it's about feasts, new moons, burnt offerings, and peace offerings, commemorating before God, thanking Him for salvation, provision, and protection. 
I want to rest in God's presence, aligning my life with His timetable. All these are marked with trumpet blasts. So, in every painful situation, praise God. In every inconvenient circumstance, praise Him frequently. And even in enjoyable situations, praise Him with all your might. You'll find that the more you praise, the more grateful you become. Your spirit becomes more and more awakened, and the sound of trumpet is clear within you. You might say, I'm a new Christian. I can't understand. I can't hear. Follow the leaders of the church. If that leader fears God, continuously connects with God, humbles himself before God, and submits to God's leadership, then follow them. So let's seek the Lord's blessing. In verse 11, it's time to depart again. On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, it's the Passover celebrated after the first Passover was missed. Remember verse 12 well. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. If your every response is wrong, you will remain stationary, going around the same stations for 38 years. How many times have we circled in 38 years? If in the end you enter the promised land of Canaan, then that's still good. But if you circle for 38 years and end up dying in the wilderness, well, that was the fate of the Israelites. Moving forward by stages, but not advancing is equivalent to remaining stagnant. Leaving the wilderness of Sinai, the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord through Moses, initially setting out from Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, all the way to Mount Sinai. The path was gradually uphill, but from Mount Sinai onward, you have to traverse the wilderness of Paran, a path full of hills and valleys, making it challenging. Under God's guidance, initially, he told them to go around the Edomites, and during that detour, Egypt thought they were lost and attacked. However, God protected them, and they slowly made their way to the confrontation with the Amalekites before Mount Sinai. God allowed them to be victorious in battle, but now leaving Mount Sinai, going all the way to the wilderness of Paran, with highs and lows in the terrain, every step is arduous. You must still believe that this is a path the cloud is leading. You still must believe that this is a path signaled by the trumpets, making it clear that this is God's guidance. In verse 14, the first group set out, led by the tribe of Judah, along with the Gershonites and the Merarites. The second group, as mentioned in verses 18 to 21, was the camp of Reuben setting out. The third group, the camp of the Ephraim, also began their journey. The last to depart, described in verses 25 to 28, was the camp of Dan, responsible for guarding the rear. They moved forward with a sense of purpose, navigating the wilderness, engaging in battle as they advanced. Today, let's pray and reflect on our Christian journey. Am I truly moving forward in my Christian life, or have I been stuck in repetitive patterns? Have I been wandering in my own wilderness for years, entangled in complaints about the church, dissatisfaction with pastors, and grievances with fellow believers? Like the Israelites, our reactions determine whether we advance or repeat the same cycles. If our responses align with God's guidance, recognizing the validity of the cloud and the sound of the silver trumpet, then we are truly progressing, maturing with each step. 
However, if our reactions are misguided, we might find ourselves retracting the same paths repeatedly. A significant event occurs in verses 29 to 34, when Moses speaks to his Midianite father-in-law Hobab, son of Ruel. Moses invites Hobab to join them on their journey to the Promised Land. Moses promises him a share in the blessings that God has promised to Israel. Initially hesitant, Hobab expresses a desire to return to his homeland. However, Hobab eventually accompanies them on their journey. Moses wisely recognizes the need for a guide, someone familiar with the terrain and the dangers of the wilderness. Despite God's clear guidance through the cloud, the silver trumpet, and the tabernacle, Moses acknowledges the practical wisdom of having Hobab, a Midianite, as a guide. This illustrates Moses' humility and practical wisdom, acknowledging that sometimes God speaks through our surroundings, even non-believers. Likewise, in our lives, God may use various sources, including non-believers, to guide and direct us. It is crucial to recognize and listen to these messages, ensuring that our journey aligns with God's purpose. Whether through the Bible, confirmation in our environment, or inner peace in our spirit, God's guidance is multifaceted. In verses 31 and 32, Moses urges Hobab to stay with them, assuring him of a share in the future blessings that God will bestow upon the Israelites. Moses consistently desired to share the salvation and blessings of God with his family, expressing a willingness to bless and be blessed. Moving forward, they cover three days' worth of journey, and in Numbers 11, the first stop is mentioned. This highlights the importance of God's presence, symbolized by the Ark of Covenant leading the way and the cloud covering them during the day. As they resume their journey, Moses prays a powerful prayer in verses 35 and 36, asking God to arise, scatter their enemies, and let those who hate God flee. This declaration emphasizes God's guidance and might, assuring victory over the enemies. As they reach their destination, Moses speaks of God's return to dwell among the multitude of Israel, seeking His presence, peace, and protection. These two verses provide a template for our prayers, whether it's praying for our children going to school or work, asking for protection, guidance, and deliverance from evil. These verses offer a model for our petitions. May God guide us, remove unnecessary temptations. Deliver us from evil and grant us profound peace. May our homes be filled with His presence, peace, and protection. In conclusion, let's learn from Moses' prayer and incorporate these principles into our lives. Just as Moses sought guidance and blessings for his family, let's consistently seek God's direction and share His blessings to those around us. May God's presence be evident in our daily lives. Guiding us through every journey and battle, leading us towards spiritual maturity and the promised land. Amen. Dear families, we hope that you enjoy the Bible race as much as we do. If you are willing to volunteer to translate the original Chinese teaching into English or assist with video editing, please email service at three sixty sunrise dot com. Thank you.